to my office hours. I'm your host, Lisa Romney. I'm hoping today's podcast will be an inspiration or an encouragement to many of you as you listen to my understanding and also to my knowledge of what Paul was talking about in 2 Timothy 4.6. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, and in his letter, on the second letter that he wrote him, um, I'm in chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is writing to him about what's going to be happening in Paul's life. Paul says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing, or, as we would say as Christians, to those who believe. I want to just kind of give you an idea of what Paul is talking about here, and so I'm going to tell you from my experience what running really looks like. I've ran over 30 marathons and also one ultramarathon. And the ultramarathon I want to talk about is the one I ran in Area 51. Most people know Area 51 as the UFO or alien sighting area, um, government uh, area of our country. However, they do do a road race there, a running race, and it's on Highway 51. So once you imagine a thousand runners on a couple of buses were rolled into this area from Las Vegas and four buses thousand runners, all ready to go run this race. Now, this race started at midnight, which is kind of unusual. Most races um, actually start in the morning. So this is kind of weird to start at midnight. And so as we're there, we're listening to the logistics of the run. It's going to be one road, which is very unusual. We're going to run for over 31 miles, and it's from point to point, so from A to B. So that seems a little strange, but there's not usually with marathons, we have a tendency to loop back around so they make parking logistics a little easier. But this one was from point to point. So a thousand runners and runners typically come with a lot of gear. We have clothes that we're running in, clothes we're going to change out of. We have our refueling stuff, our goos and our gels. I'll talk about that in a minute. We have our waters, we have our Gatorades, we have just a mess of stuff. And so as we assemble and get this ready, we get the logistics for the race. And the race director says to us, you're going to stay on this road. You're going to go straight up a hill and you're going to keep running. And when you're done at the end of the 31 miles, the bus will be there. We'll get back on the bus and we will go back to Vegas. Seems pretty standard. There's no light. Absolutely none. There will be no cars on the route. It'll be you and your headlamps or your glow sticks, which we have laid along the path. And in case you're, you're curious, Make sure you don't step on snakes because where we're at is one of the most avid areas for rattlesnakes and snakes in general. And you're 30 minutes, you're longer than 30 minutes from help. So make sure that as these snakes go across the road, you don't touch them. Now I have to say, at that point, I was wondering what, what I was doing in the middle of the desert getting ready to run. So the gun goes off and a thousand runners starting at a start line, we sound like a herd of elephants running. But away we go. And eventually, just because of the way running happens, people run slower, people run faster. You start to spread out over a couple of miles. So as an avid runner and you're going forward, you see these little lights in front of you. Because again, all you see are headlights and a little bit of glow sticks. 
You turn around and look behind you and you see the same thing. All running the same direction. All of them pushing forward. All of them going to their destination. Well, as if any good marathon or ultra marathon, um, we have kind of what every runner sets as a schedule. For example, here's what one of my schedules would look like. At mile three, I'm going to take a gel or I'm going to eat a goo. What do I mean by that? There's these little packets full of sugar that a lot of people do so that they don't go through their glycogen storage and hit the wall. You've probably heard people say that. And so <clears throat> I make sure that at mile three, I take something. Then at mile six, I'm going to do a Gatorade or I'm going to do part of a Gatorade or I'm going to do another goo, depending on what it is, how hot it is, what my body's needing at that moment. So I have this kind of thing. Now, if you don't know, um, an ultramarathon is 31 miles. So you have to start gooing and doing these things early, early in your run, so that when you get to the point past exhaustion with your body, that you still have energy. And so my schedule looks like this. So it's three, six, eight, 13 usually is the way that I go with refueling stops. Then at 13, I typically take two Tylenol, which sounds a little strange, but it helps your muscles from cramping up or getting too tight. So anyway, so you do that and then um, you keep running. Now, usually a real race starts, any marathoner will tell you this, the real race is from mile 22 to 26 because you can get to mile 22 on grid. You have a really hard time getting from mile 22 to 26 without training because emotionally it's exhausting. And so um, most runners will train, but we often will say the race is those four miles before we end. With an ultra marathon, you're going past that. You're going past 26.2. And so this particular one um, was uh, 31 miles. And so again, we're fueling properly. So as you do on all races, here I am running and you get a good rhythm and you're clicking along, and I happen to have my tunes in, and I'm listening to some great tunes. And every so often you see this shadow flirt across the road. That's a rattlesnake. As fast as you can see, almost like the, the road runner, that's how they would move across. And so it would remind you that you are definitely not alone. So here we are running. You come across people that want to talk, and so occasionally you'll pick up a friend and maybe talk for a couple miles together. Um, you just keep running because you're moving forward. And I have to tell you, running is a very strange sport. It's one where you just go forward. I had a coach one time tell me, the difference between runners and non-runners is runners run. And that's exactly right. So as you're running these miles, and again, most of it's uphill because this is a gradual incline, here we are going, your muscles are going to tighten up. Sometimes you turn around and run backwards to loosen them up. Sometimes you try to run one mile faster than the next one just to break it up for monotony. Sometimes you take walk breaks. A lot of people do intervals where they'll run like two minutes, walk 40 seconds. People do all sorts of things to break up the monotony because it does get monotonous. So here we are. We are running up Area 51. We are seeing all the people in front of us, and you're seeing all the people behind you, but you can't see them. All you see is their light, and you're going through this process. And again, as you're running, you're starting to sweat. You're starting to drip sweat. Um, there's chafing going on. It's starting to get pretty uncomfortable. And then about the time that you think you really should have your head examined, you realize how close you are to the end. 
And so you push through. Most runners have this technique that they use at the end. And some of it's kind of unusual, but the most uh, fun I've ever had is how many people can you pass in the last mile? Now that seems really ridiculous. I understand that. But when your body is pushed to the point of exhaustion and you cannot literally pick your feet up very well, it's good to focus on something else. And so that's the sort of thing that we do. Now, I've ran all over the world, and when I ran in the UK and some of the other areas of the UK, I would hear people say, well done. But in the United States, most people say, good job, and you'll hear people say that over and over again. Here in the United States, we'll say, watch your step. And of course, over in the UK, they'll say, mind the pavement. And so this is a culture that's all into its own. It literally is two feet moving forward, sometimes not well, but we just keep doing it. As I came to the end of the race, exhausted and just worn out, I could not wait to get across that finish line. And when I finished, your body's still in motion because even though you've stopped, you have just put 31 miles on it. So it still wants to keep moving. And so even though you've stopped running, you're very uncoordinated. You'll drop stuff. You'll run into people. And so you have to go through this process of fatigue. We all loaded back on the bus as people finished the race and we got most everybody back on the bus. And then at that point, you want to change clothes because your clothes are stinky or the sweat's dried on them and they're just nasty. So you want to change your clothes and you have the metal around your neck because you have finished your race. And my preferred to go to drink is chocolate milk after a major run. I drink my chocolate milk and I promptly fall asleep on the road back into Vegas. So. I've told you a little bit about running. It's a little bit disciplined, it's a little bit crazy, and it's a lot of pushing yourself farther than you ever thought you would go. But one of the things I will tell you about that run that sticks so importantly in my head is even though it was 31 miles and everybody gets focused on that, I cannot even begin to tell you how many falling stars I saw that night. Looking at the lights in front of me that were just soft glows, a full sky of stars, I lost track around 67, and I still to this day remember the gloriousness of it. I still remember looking over the horizon and seeing the sun peep through in all its grandeur as I was putting one foot in front of the other. So when Paul is talking to Timothy, I want you to understand he has said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And for me, there is laid up a crown of righteousness or a medal. When you cross over into the next world, whenever we stand before Jesus, we are going to get a crown of righteousness. We are going to have for us, if you want, a medal of victory, one that we can wear with pride because we have finished the race, one that is ours that we carry around. The other thing that is very interesting to this is just like in a running race, we're going to change our clothes because what we have here on earth is so stinky compared to what is considered righteous and glorious. And so we will change clothes. And for those of us who are weary, for those of us who sometimes this world is so discouraging and we have these understandings that one day things will be different. But for right now, it is just the ridiculousness of one foot in front of the other. And sometimes it truly is one foot in front of the other before I fall down. 
And as we're plugging along and we're doing the same thing over and 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 your feet start to hurt and you're, you're, you feel like you're going numb in some places and you just keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, please understand that finish line is there and there is a reward when you cross it. And that we're not running these races of our faith walk and we're not going forward consistently and continually for any other reason than our reward is right on the other side. The reward is just up the hill. And all the people in front of us who have lights and that are running up that hill, we can look at that and even suggest that it might even be those that have gone before us who've lit the way. It's a good thing to know that you're not alone. It's a good thing to know others are running the exact same race. It's really good to know when somebody is just as bored as you are doing the same thing on the same route that you're doing. And so in this race that we call our Christian walk, my hope and prayer is that you will find people that you can run with, that you'll train regularly, and that as we're running our race, we'll find people that we talk to for a couple of miles or maybe even a couple of years in our life. And then they'll run their own race and we may no longer be friends, but we always have the fond memories of that travel time together. And for those that finished before us, we know they're waiting at the finish line for us. And for those coming behind us, we stay consistent so they can see the path as well. And I just wanted to take a moment just so you understand that when you're running, there's something about the crowds on all sides of you. When I was in Area 51, there was no crowds. It was just runners. But the crowds are cheering you on. They are wanting to see you finish. It is literally every bit of training, everything you have that it possesses you as a human being to keep going forward. The funny thing about road racing is you really don't get a medal for going backwards. You have to go forward to finish. And that's something I think often in Christianity we forget. We want to sit down. We want to stay in one season of our life. And unfortunately, that's not the way it's designed. It's just like this road race. We are given a starting point. When you become a Christian, you are told, get off the bus. And at the point you get off the bus, somebody is going to give you instructions, I hope. And they're going to talk about the snakes that come across your road, the pitfalls that people have fallen into. They're going to tell you not to get wrapped up in those, but to continue to run. And there are Christians who literally will only be able to tell you the color of the pavement and where the lines were. But for those of us who run the race, who understand in its depth and glory what we're doing and understand whose we are, the views from the road are incredible when we look up. Our views are incredible when we look up and see all that God has done and all that is ours. I share this with you because a lot of people this past year have gotten very, very weary. And I'm going to tell you quite honestly, what makes us most weary is using these muscles and just having the consistency. And as in a road race, when you put 30, 26 miles on your body, it's going to be sore. It's Even if you're a conditioned athlete, it's going to be sore because you're doing something that's out of character for your everyday life. And so it stretches you and it changes you. And when you get done, you're exhausted because you've pushed yourself past what you thought you were capable of doing. And I just want to share with you that as Christians, a lot of us along the way, we get tired. We get weary. And the best times to do that is to come up with some different techniques to be able to keep going. 
Just like I said, we pick people off on the last mile. There's lots of little things we do on the trek as we continue to keep running. Now, one day when we cross over, we will have an incredible, incredible medal, uncomparable to the ones that I I have currently um, from all my races, but one that is representative of the king that I serve and one that others will see and we'll be so excited to see each other. So no matter what part of life that you're in and you're either getting off the bus or you're on your way and you're running a few miles and you're down the road, or if you kind of got turned around and your muscles tightened up and you have to run backwards for a while, yeah, sometimes that happens and we just keep moving forward. The finish line doesn't come to us. We go to the finish line. In this life and being a Christian, our job is to love God more than anything and to love others sincerely. And at the judgment seat of Christ, when we cross over, those who are faithful to the Lord who have served them will hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm pretty sure at that point we're talking the UK English. Well done, because that's what they say over there. Well done. And I have no doubt when we cross over, Peter will be standing there saying, mind the pavement. It's made of gold. I hope that you understand that as we're running, you're not alone. I hope you understand that just like Paul was trying to encourage Timothy about his faith walk through his faith walk, I hope you understand that encouragement with one another is exactly what we should be about. I love running because it pushes me past what I'm capable of even imagining. I love serving the Lord Jesus Christ because it's uncomparable to anything I have ever experienced. As a runner, you kind of transform from being a beginner runner into a moderate runner, and then you become a fanatic. A lot of people call them maniacs. Yes, and I would be considered a maniac because I've ran so many races. And I love it when a new beginner runner says, do you have anything and any advice for me? And I go back to my first running coach. What makes runner a runner? We run. What makes Christians Christian? We serve Christ and we love each other. That's what makes us. And we keep doing it over and over and over and over until we see the finish line. As you cross the finish line, I want you to hear these words that were listed in Matthew. Come unto me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Not only when we get to the other side do we get a glorious medal, um, a crown of life, but we also get rest. And then you'll get your chocolate milk, you'll get to sit down, and you'll get to enjoy eternity with the one true God. Remember, your worth and value were given to you at the cross. You were worth dying for, and you're definitely worth fighting for. Join with me next time as we continue to dig deeper into the life we have with King Jesus.